0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Orr Podcast on the JB Podcast Network. Just a quick reminder, new episodes out every single Monday. I know this one's out a little bit late. I made the bad decision of wanting to wait for the Browns-Niners game so I could talk about it. But yeah, new episodes every single Monday, so please subscribe so you never miss an episode available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, slowly but surely, making our way onto YouTube. Subscribe to the Joseph Orr Podcast on YouTube and... Making moves, we are now featured on the daily dropout.com alongside Mike Studs Podcast. That's right. So we're making moves here in the podcast world. And as always, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at JVOR3 and Instagram at JAVOR3. So on this episode, re- quick recap of the Browns and 49ers on Monday Night Football. And then you will hear my sit-down I did a few weeks ago with my former boss, the director of spring training for the Oakland A's, Joe Punn. We caught up. We talked about his family. We talked about uh, his roadmap, how he ended up as the director of spring training for the A's. We talked about shoe culture. We talked about skateboarding. We talked movies. We talked all kinds of good stuff. So, you guys are really going to enjoy that. And I will wrap up with my complaint of the week. So, without further ado, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. And let's recap Rounds and Niners. Okay, so let's try to quickly get through this Browns-Niners recap. I'm going to try to do it without throwing up. The Browns lose 31-3 on Monday night football. So the game starts off. It's a horrible start. It was a horrible first quarter. It was a horrible game, especially horrible first quarter. But it was a lucky first quarter. The Browns were down 14-0. They had two turnovers. They gave up an 83-yard touchdown uh, to the Niners on their very first play from scrimmage. The Niners had a missed field goal. But then quarter two. Things looked a little bit promising. The Browns had a drive, and I really liked how they were getting o- Odell Beckham Jr. the ball. First off, they had that first play where uh, they, they got him in space, sort of that counter back, and then he threw a nice ball to Landry. So they were getting the, the ball to him in w- in different ways than just throwing it to him. He had some nice runs, and it set up on a drive that the Browns had in the second quarter, a trap play, and Chubb ran the ball for ran the ball down the field, and then there was a screen pass to Chubb. And we get even closer, and then there's the interception at the goal line. Antonio Callaway, you know, I get, I get it, right? He should have caught the ball. It wasn't the best throw, but it should have been caught. And this kind of comes back to, you know what? If he wasn't suspended and he didn't miss four games, he wouldn't have looked the way that he did tonight. He probably catches that and that's a touchdown. A lot of this game was, well, if, you know, when the Browns got their first field goal and it's now 14 to three. What if they get a touchdown? It's 14 to 7. And what happens if Callaway brings that ball in or Baker puts a little better ball? Um, you know makes a little better throw and then it's a touchdown it's 14-14 you know well the thing is that didn't happen and the, the Browns had the opportunity to get back in this game and really settle things down much credit to the defense they did really as much as they could early on to keep the Browns in it and give the offense a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance to really settle in and you know give them some rest over on the sideline and get the team back into the ball game by getting touchdowns but it's a young team and the Browns weren't able to do that so it's 23 excuse me it's 21-3 Niners at the half and you know the cool thing is last week when the Browns decided to take the ball first and they want Baltimore you know that's cool that then it looks good to take the ball in the first half when you win the toss but tonight when you're down 21-3 and the Niners have momentum and they come out the locker room already up 18 points and they go down and score a touchdown on their opening drive of the second half and you're down 28 to 3 now it you know it 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 just doesn't look good and when the Browns were down when they finally got the ball back down 28 to 3 I was just hoping you know the game's not over at this point but it's really not looking good I was hoping the Browns could take some positives here in the second half I was hoping they could get Baker in rhythm. They could build some no- momentum and they wouldn't give up and they would have good effort and they'd get out healthy. A lot of that didn't go well. And, and at one point I'm thinking, you know, the 49ers, they had three missed field goals. One of them was blocked. I'm thinking, did anyone else rather trade these, these missed kicks for three Garoppolo interceptions? Me too, me too. And then we get to the end of the game. And I know I'm, I'm jumping around here, but I, I really just want to quickly get through this. Down 25, why are you throwing Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, when you're, a guy who's been injury prone, one of your best players. Why do you throw him back there on a putt return? I know he fumbled it. You know, whatever. I don't care if he returned it for a touchdown. Why Why is he back there on a dangerous play like a putt return? It makes absolutely no sense to me. And, you know, the big message here is, Nick Chubb, really over these last two years, when the Browns have been good, he's he's been really good, and he's set the tone. He's been the Browns' most valuable player. He's been the Browns' arguably their best player. And when you fall behind, and you have to make Baker do heavy lifting, and he has to do a lot of throwing, and when the defense is geared up for him to throw, things haven't gone well. And he turns the ball over. He got 22 turnovers in 19 career starts. And the Browns have had a good defense this year, and it's bailed him out, and it's kept us in games. And after, after the Browns looked so good in Baltimore, and it looked like, hey, this would be really bad if the Browns don't win this division with Cincinnati being winless and Pittsburgh being without Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell's gone and Antonio Brown's gone. And then we beat Baltimore 40 to 25. This looks like the Browns division to take, and maybe it still is, but maybe we have to change our thinking on the AFC North. I think at the beginning of this year, before the Roethlisberger thing and before what we've seen from Cleveland and you know, what we thought about Baltimore through the first two weeks, you know, I think it was a little bit overreaction I mean, They played Miami and Arizona. Let's, let's calm down there. Um, They went from, you know, preseason, one of the toughest, best divisions, right? And now, because the way Cleveland's played, and the way that Baltimore has looked against real competition, and the way that Cleveland's turned out so far, this is one of the weaker divisions in football. I know you want to say AFC East, you know, it's it's top heavy, it's just New England, but no, Buffalo's for real. If Josh Allen can stay healthy and that defense continues to play well, I really like Buffalo. Buffalo is a game that I'm not looking so much forward to on the Browns' schedule as much as I was in the preseason. Buffalo's really good. So that's the biggest picture. And really the only guy, before I wrap this up, because punters are people too. I was a punter in high school. Love special teams. The only guy that you can count on week to week for the weekend and out for the Browns is the Scottish Hammer. Our punter. He's been terrific. So the Browns lose 31-3. to God, it was, just, it was just awful. It was really, really tough to watch. And it doesn't get any easier, I believe, that the Browns have Seattle. Let me check my planner here. Yeah, they play Seattle on the 13th. It's at home. It's on a Sunday. They play at 1 o'clock. Get us away from these primetime games. Oh, man. Not good. After what Sunday night look, football looked like against the Rams, as much as that game that they could have won and um I know they blew out the Jets but it still didn't look good and then tonight obviously was really really bad so let's get back to those Sunday one o'clock games oh man so hopefully the Browns can bounce back and they just look better I don't think they're going to beat Seattle in my preseason uh video my preview of the Browns I thought Seattle would beat us speaking of my picks I am now I have it written down here I said we beat Tennessee. I missed that one, so I'm 0-1. I'm 1-1 with the Jets. I'm 2-1 because I picked the Rams to beat us, and then I picked the Ravens to beat us, so I'm 2-2, and then I picked us to beat the 49ers. So just like the Browns, I am 2-3 on my picks so far. So that's the recap. I made it through without getting sick. I can't say that I won't get sick after I hit the pause button here and transition into the interview with Joe Punn, but yeah. It's a rough one. Time to go back to work tomorrow, short week, unfortunately, and get back to it on Sunday. That's all you can do. So that's my Browns Niners recap Monday Night Football. Let's transition into my sit down with Joe Pun. Okay, so sitting down here with Joe Pun, we're over here at Fitch Park. It's the, uh, so this is the A's trading facility is what you would call this, right? Your office over here?
1: Yeah, this is our minor league facility. So we operate here year round. Um, Baseball, 12 months out of the year, man.
0: That's great. So, so how have things been, Joe? We got to catch up a little bit here.
1: Uh, they're great. You know, nothing, no complaints whatsoever. You know, I, I feel like I'm living the life, working in baseball. Um, as we'll probably talk about, we're in a bit of a dogfight right now for yeah. the wild card. So that's
0: right. Oh, yeah, that, that's coming up later. Yeah, yeah constantly
1: scoreboard watching. But uh, this time of year for me, you know, working in spring training, uh, this is where it really picks up again. So we've uh, focused our attention on twenty twenty, and you know, up and at them again.
0: Absolutely. I, I always love. I think you're a great follow on Instagram. All your pictures, especially your stories, very aesthetically pleasing. Or you're always putting on something with your with your kids who are awesome. Who I've met working for you. How I've so Karis, is she getting into golf? I've been noticing. She you is. Do, yeah. Golf buddy.
1: Yeah. No. And I I recently got into golf. Though so I I didn't grow up on it. I started playing like two years ago. And uh, it's a sport where you know if you have kids, you can play along with them. Yeah. So having her get stoked about it. I think it predominantly started with top golf you know you have a target and make it a video game and
0: just watching her she has a really good swing so yeah. That, yeah, that, that's how you, you get them started young you get that muscle memory and even if they I feel like this was me I did it a lot when I was young and then the middle part of my life no golf at all I was busy with other stuff wasn't as interested in it and it took me a little bit to get back to it but at least I had that foundation I can't imagine someone trying to pick up golf you know. When they're, like, my, like, if, if I tried to pick it up at 21, never having played golf before, I'd imagine it's a way different challenge.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I'm 38, kind of dating myself, so I started playing, whatever, 36 years old. And uh, I grew up in the city for the most part, so golf wasn't, like, an accessible sport, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, uh, but it's just like with anything, especially in, in my mindset, like, I catch on to something, and then I just want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Full force, try to figure it out. Yeah. It took me a while to figure it out, and by no means am I good at all. You know, right. I mean, you know, I'm still, it's going to take me a long time to finish a, a round of golf, but at the end of the day, it's fun, so. Yeah.
0: So if she hits it big, LPGA Tour, you drop everything, be a caddy, just wear awesome shoes, just look <laughs> sick, and is, is that the is that the dream I mean, right there?
1: Yeah, the dream is, you know, she, she, well, first off, the first dream is that she has a full ride at college. That's, there you go. That's, yep. that's a, a huge uh, thing for my wife and I, but. Secondly, yeah, like, I love being her caddy. I do that right now for her. Oh, that's fun. And if she gets sponsored,
0: then, of course, yeah, I'm going to get the swag. Yeah, you got to. The swag bag all day. Yeah, golfing is awesome. That's, like, the one thing, uh, since I got back into it, kind of re... It's not like my dad and I weren't close, but, like, I think it's brought us closer because that's always something that he's done. He Mm -hmm. loves to do it for fun, recreationally, but also with his job. You know, a lot of guys that he works with and clients... um, you know whatever it is that that's something that they do together and he really enjoys it and it's been fun getting back into it because that's given us something uh fun to do so that, that's really fun and then how old is uh hudson now uh he just turned two so he turned Man. two in july yeah i remember yeah. me how how old would he have been when i met him if that was like spring 2018
1: um he was born in 17 so he was, okay you know almost a year old that's at all.
0: that point that's yeah. that's like my favorite guy name hudson's just a sick name
1: yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know...
0: What was the big board there? Was it just... I feel like Hudson, like, you, once you get that, it's like all of, all of the names go out the window. I know,
1: I know. It's... Uh, I think we had two. I think it was Hudson and then Jonah.
0: Okay, Jonah's a good so one.
1: So, I really like the name Jonah. Actually, a lot of it spurred from, obviously, the story, but um, I think Sleepless in Seattle, the yep. kid's name is
0: Jonah. And okay. that kid was just, like, the coolest little kid. Oh, for sure.
1: And like, oh, man, we like that name.
0: But at the end of the day, Hudson won out, yeah. so... Yeah, between... Coolest Kids in Movies, that one's good. The Little Kid uh, in Jerry Maguire is awesome. Yep. And then You Can't Ever Leave Out, Home Alone. Yeah. That, that, that's, kind of, that's the big three there of, True. Uh, of movie kids. So a little background. I was an intern here with the A's. Joe was my former boss. I was fired. It was a whole big thing. Uh, <laughs> but um, He's lying. Yeah. He's yeah. Lying. Um, but I, I want to bring up this question right now because when i interviewed for this back in this would have been i think like late, probably about two years ago like late september 2017 i wasn't able to interview with you um and i had like a question ready to go because i always think it's like a power move at the end when the interviewers are like well do you have any questions for us and boom you have something ready to go yeah absolutely so i was as i assume most people would uh preparing for an interview you stalk who you think you're going to interview with their their linkedin And one thing I always wanted to ask you about is, and and I've always seen you do it because you still get into it, um, in spring training with, um, AZG, uh, photography, right? And that was something that you did and you still put out pictures Mm -hmm. and it looked, everything looks really, really good, but you did that for over four years. You know, how did you get into photography? How, you know, obviously you're good at it and you're passionate about it, turn it into a business and have it for, you know, a little over four years. Yeah, no, no,
1: that's a great question. Um. I kind of stumbled upon it, you know, I, I didn't grow up a photographer, I uh, originally, like taking it way back, I wanted to, I was a film major, I was a broadcasting major, I was oh, more yeah. interested in video than mm-hmm. still photography. Uh, I kind of changed things up, and then, um, long story short, we moved out here because I was in sales in, in LA, and uh, um, 2009 marketing, or uh, housing crisis, mm-hmm. like it just decimated any type of marketing industry, like people were cutting dollars left and right, so... Yeah. Moved out here, always been a big baseball guy. Like, grew up around baseball. Um, my parents were immigrants, so it's not like the American pastime, so to speak. But for me, San Francisco, I was a Giants fan. I know, it's kind of sacrilege for who I work the with now. Town. I mean, the, the allegiances have changed, put it that way. But uh, um, I wanted to work in baseball. I was like, you know, I was 28, I had two years left. I was 30, newly married, and I was like, you know what, let me give myself two years, figure it out. And moved out here, there wasn't a lot of jobs available. Mm -hmm. Um, So I needed to figure out a way that I could be a part of the industry and um, contribute just on my own, and how could I do that? Well, probably go out there and take photos of people. Uh, Because a lot of the stuff that happens here, specifically in this facility, like nobody really documents, Mm you know what I mean? And so uh, I went to Costco. And I bought the uh, the good old like whatever it was, like rebel bundle with like the kind of
0: garbagey lenses lenses. Yeah, and kinda like your your starter kit, you know, like Oh, yeah. photography for dummies starter kit. Yeah, the the
1: the lowest cost to entry. Yes. Uh and then rolled out and then put it on green square mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then be like, wow, why aren't these pictures like turning out yeah. how I want them? Wow, it's nighttime. It, it's a true art form. You yeah. think
0: you just you capture it and you press the button and yeah. no, it's much tougher than that.
1: Exactly, dude. And and uh but, like, like I was talking with golf earlier, anything that I, I kind of get into, and my wife will be a complete testament to this, like, I just get really into it, and I want to learn the ins and outs. I want to learn the best practices. I want to I want to be an expert. I want to have, uh, I want to do whatever I'm doing with excellence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just started looking online. You know, I think that's one of the easiest ways to, to figure out how to do something is to find somebody that does it great and then learn how they do it, what their, their mm-hmm. thought process is. And, um yeah so if you went back like none of that stuff exists anymore but if you went back to like my first website you know what I mean I could probably take better photos on the new iPhone now right right Um, but uh, I started taking photos and and learning about it and and then I I kind of wanted to create a niche for myself and I wanted to not just take baseball photos Mm -hmm. like you know you can take a photo of a guy hitting a ball all day long or somebody pitching but Mm -hmm. how do I get a different angle how do I get a different perspective and, uh, and that's kind of what I ran with and it, it worked out well, man. And, and the coolest part about it though, with photography, as any photographer will tell you, probably like wedding photographer, um, senior portraits or whatever cause for photography, the coolest part about it is that you're actually meeting the subjects for the most yeah, part right, and interacting with them and documenting what's happening and then being able to hopefully show them and be like, Hey, this is what I got. Look at how cool this looks. Right. But, This is what what you did today. Check this out. And so in baseball, it allowed me to meet a lot of people, but it also allowed me to build a lot of friendships. And then at the end of the day, this is the really cool part. The people I was taking photographs of, just like, as you probably well know, minor league baseball, percentages of people that make it to major leagues are very low.
0: Did did you catch anyone in the minors that has gone on? Like, Was there any superstars that you caught in the minors before they hit it big?
1: Yeah, it was a... It was a perfect storm for me because, like I said, I was a Giants fan. And right. this is 2009, basically. Okay. Um, so I obviously wanted to cover the Giants. Right. So I started going out to Indian School Park over here in Scottsdale. And that was right after the Buster Posey draft.
0: Oh, wow. Obviously,
1: the next year they go on to win the World Series, right? Right. But And and recently before that was Bum Garner, And then before that was Lincecum. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys were in the system. Buster Posey, you had Brandon Crawford. The year after that, you had Brandon Belt. Wow. Uh, if you guys know the Giants, I mean, these are pretty staples right. uh, for their last three World Series runs. And and so, yeah, all those guys just happened to That's farm-grown, made it to the bigs, and they became this unit and just this powerhouse over the last you know three out of five years.
0: And there you are taking pictures of them. And there I am taking pictures of these
1: guys that, you know, back on chain link fences. And, and people knew about them. I mean, Buster Posey was a first-round draft pick. Right. Um, you know, they, they knew who they were, but at the end of the day you know being there and seeing them like in the quote-unquote meager beginnings and yeah but from there it was awesome
0: yeah so. yeah like you mentioned you've had a very interesting roadmap to where you are now we talked we just talked about photography you mentioned quickly film and broadcasting I remember you were telling me you were in a film class of what movie were you working it was a Euro trip or road trip which one was <laughs> it again you were telling me that you were yeah. working on yeah it was very random man
1: so we uh I went to school in LA yeah uh, I went to a, a call a small Christian college north of LA and there was a film class we had a partnership a guy that was there was ties with the college and he worked at Fox Studios okay. down in like whatever it is Studio City Westwood something like that yeah And so there was this class that was uh, film audio engineering okay and it just happens to be that he brings in students get to see the process kind of like
0: what I was talking about. And when I took the class like he was mixing
1: Euro trip. <laughs>
0: Which has some, like, I was going through it again because I had seen it before, but I kind of had to remind myself. But, like, Jeffrey Tambor is in there, who everyone knows from Arrested Development. Right. And he's Alan's dad in The Hangover. And I forgot that Matt Damon is, like, a punk rocker. Is he? Yeah, he is. I went back and looked at it, and I was like, what is Matt Damon doing in this? This is crazy. You know what's so
1: funny? I don't think I've actually... seen that movie like all the way through.
0: I don't think I have either. Um, I've just seen like YouTube clips honestly.
1: I just remember like the uh, I don't even like the main characters like the main girl was like uh, a child actress or something like on Pete and Pete. Yeah. I think. Okay. Something like that. Some kid show I used to watch on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And uh, but honestly I think one of the reasons I didn't see it was A. Well we didn't get credit. It wasn't like my name was like scrolling at the end of the the film. Whatever. whatever. But then B. Um, it's kind of monotonous, man. Like, it was a semester-long class. Yeah, you had to be
0: so close to it. You're like, I'm sick of it. I never I, want to see this again. Not
1: only was I sick of it, but it was the literally the same sequence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. how, mu- how much time is taken for uh, mixing the sound, mixing the music, mixing yeah. the the Foley and all that kind of uh-huh. stuff. Like, it was the same sequence. Some sequence, like, in a cafeteria or they're eating lunch. Okay. And I was like, dude, I'm, da- I'm not. Yeah. I'm tapping out. I'm man. out. Yeah. But cool. no, it was, yeah, so we... Uh, we got to go down there, and that was really cool, man. I mean, as a whatever I was, twenty-one years old, you know, you kind of drive through the lot. It was at night. It was a night class. Oh, cool. So like nobody's there. You kind of get this vibe of like old town Hollywood, where people are working yeah. late. Yeah. You see kind of like the trailers, and you see like the old buildings that look like the offices are, are set up like a motel, right? Where they've okay. got like a, a skyway. Yep. And exterior doors. You go into offices and yep. stuff like that. Um, and then you're leaving there. I mean, it was like a seven to 10 class. So mm-hmm. I'm leaving there like 10:30 at night. Wow, and you kind of got to see. It was
0: also on the lot where they filmed um, "How You Met Your Mother?" You know, I've been to the Fox lot, and Fox Sports is, like, right here. That's where we mm-hmm. visited. And then, boom, yeah. you see the – that's probably where they do all the cutaways for New York City. That's yep. right there. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't about. know. I'm
1: in countless movies there. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I think – I forget if it had just started or whatever, but it was, like, How I Met Your Mother. This yep. is the street. And I was, like, oh, dude, it's so cool.
0: It, it is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it has – so was that your move with the with the ladies? You were the big, mysterious guy. You're like, yeah, no, I'm working on a picture right now. You know, you're know, you not calling it movies. You're calling it films. <laughs> was, that, was that your go-to you move? Know what?
1: No. Not, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, I met my wife, uh, she'll tell you the story, we met in the library, so okay. I, was a, I was
0: a bit of a nerd, dude. Okay. I wasn't,
1: yeah, that, no, definitely not my lifestyle. What's it,
0: yeah, okay, I wasn't sure, or maybe you're thinking back like, yeah. Man, maybe I should. I should've. That. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's uh, for real. I'm like, hey, man, I'm.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, no, I can't tonight. I got to go to Fox Studios. And, yeah, you, you know. know yeah, you know, Matt
0: Damon. You know, he's just all over me. You know, he's. I'm working on this one scene. You know, we're just trying to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just
1: throw him under the bus. Yeah, Matt can just not get this line right. Yeah. I got to keep re-recording this it, stuff. Yeah. But you know,
0: we're, we're working with him. It's a process. You know, he writes most of his own stuff, so it's. Uh, he's adjusting to someone else writing for him. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> That'd be so good. Um, Speaking of movies, like I told you when I was uh, in here to get in the mood and just because I wanted to rewatch it because it's so awesome. I just rewatched uh, Moneyball mm. recently and forgot just how just amazing it was. It, it was start, For some reason, it was coming up on my YouTube feed, just all the clips. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to take the afternoon one day and just rewatch it again. And it's just so cool. I always love coming in here when I'm waiting there in the lobby because, you know, you look straight back. And there's, you know, in the on the big yellow wall, just has the A's emblem, and I think about money yeah. ball. and I think when I came here, you know, two years ago to interview, it just kind of has it's, yeah. um, it's cool over here. Now, now the A's they are in a wild card race with my Indians right now, so the the A's when, when they're not uh, taken away from my Indians, they're kind of my adopted second team. But hey, we appreciate it. Yeah, of of course. But I I was looking at the numbers, and so let's say the Indians and the A's play in the wild card. Okay you you take the payrolls and this is no surprise to anyone who knows baseball smaller market teams but you, you combine the payrolls of the Indians and the A's and if we go and if one of our teams were to go and play on play against the Yankees it's mm-hmm. still like upwards of like 15 million dollar difference in payrolls oh, it, yeah. it, it's it, it's crazy it's just un- un- unbelievable and you know you're expected to but that's what the movie is about. You, you have to find ways to compete with mm. what, what you have. And because of the way the salary cap is set up, I mean, it's, baseball at times can be uh, unfair in that way.
1: Yeah, I think, well, and, and it's so funny. You know, obviously I hire a lot of students. I work with a lot of uh, people that are aspiring to be in the sports business. So we, we go through a lot of interviews and whatnot. And that's the number one thing that anyone actually even knows about the ace Right. Is money ball. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, if I even bring up, like, a Ricky Henderson, some students are like, I'm, I'm not, you know. Really? You know what I mean? I Oh, I know Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Scott Hatter. He was playing Scott Hatter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris Pratt, whatever, you know. know yeah, yeah like, Chris Pratt. Brad Pitt. First pace, he um, figured it out.
0: Walk but, off home run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly.
1: You know, but it, it, I think that mindset, you know, I think the the, the more overarching idea behind moneyball that as a concept and I, it's kind of what I look at for hiring students and and trying to find people is you're you're just trying to uncover value mm-hmm. where people don't see value right okay um, you'd mentioned like other people with higher payrolls or paying you know millions of dollars to players and free agent signings and things like that and yeah I mean obviously they've earned that money right. they probably have a great track record mm-hmm. um, but it's, I think it's more of a thought process of uncovering, like, man, what, what does this person offer that nobody else is seeing? Mm-hmm. And, and why aren't they seeing it? And if we were to inject this person in a situation where they can be successful, like, how good could this person be? Right. And uh, I think, you know, with Moneyball, um, and you mentioned it right now, even our team right now, you know what I mean? Um, we, we have a lot of homegrown players. Yeah. And that's a byproduct of great drafting. It's a byproduct of great scouting. Um, and then the players that we've brought in are not necessarily uh, the ones that command these multi-million dollar, multi-year mm-hmm. deals, but people right. that, you know, we've recognized as having value.
0: Right. And it fits
1: what the A's are.
0: It's, it, it seems to be a good match.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And to your point, you know, if you're going to go play against a team like the Yankees, I was watching a stat last night on the game. The three teams that are in this wild card chase, so us, the Rays, and the Indians, I, we might be fourth, but we lead the American League in ERA.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Those three teams. Yeah. And those three teams, like you mentioned, like you look at the Rays, they're, I mean, a lot of people like to uh, compare us. Yeah. As far as like players and, yeah. and how we operate. And then as you mentioned, the Indians, but right. the Yankees weren't even, I don't even think they were top 10 on that list no. as far as ERA goes. No. So, you know, it's, it's. I don't want to say it's pragmatic, but at the end of the day, whatever wins a baseball game, man.
0: Yeah, that's what it comes down to, and that's and ultimately that's what the wild card is. It's not about who has the bigger payroll. It's not who's Dude. a better team. It's it's who is the best on that night, and whoever is the best on that night and wins that game gets the opportunity to then go play a series and keep playing baseball.
1: Yeah, how good how good of a decision has the wild card been for baseball?
0: I think it's great. I love it. Um, the single elimination, it, it, it's drama, and it's... The Indians played in it in 2013, and that was one of the first years where they had the two wild yep. cards, and it was a devastating loss, but at the same time, it was like, man, it is so good. Even if it's just one night, and it was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. against the Rays, oddly, oddly enough, it was so great to have that environment, that atmosphere back down in Cleveland because that was still before LeBron came back. You yeah. know, we're still mourning that. And and the Browns, obviously, you know, have been really, really bad. And, you know, they won prior to last year four games in three years. Don't need to keep going on about that. But it was um, – I think it's great, and, and and firsthand, I've seen it how it's you know impacted my team, yeah. the Indians. Even though we lost, but it was still a great memory. Well,
1: I mean, let's talk. I mean, we can even get into a little sports business on this. I mean, look at the cities, look at the fan bases, look yeah. at the the amount of people that have an investment. Yeah. In this last week of the season. Oh yeah. Specifically in the AL wildcard race, because there's two spots there. There's three teams with one game separating all of them. Yeah. And we're all like, in a, and we're not playing each other. Nope. So how does this all pan out? How yeah. does this How does this work out? I, I grew up, when I was uh, when I was a kid, uh, baseball used to be run where two two divisional champions, yep. you go to the NLCS, you go to the ALCS, and you go to the World Series. Yeah. And again, I was a Giants fan, but dude, that was during the time of the Bobby Cox, like Atlanta Braves. I hated yeah. the Braves, dude. <laughs> I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, we're right there. Like, we're so, we're so close, like right behind them. Yeah. Maybe one game, two game. I think it was a strike year, maybe. I forget exactly what it was, but it was just like, dude. ah oh. And then they would get played on TBS, and like everybody's yeah. a Braves fan, and it's just like, dude, if we only had like another another chance to get in there, right. show sure what you could do. Yeah. Um, case in point, even with the Giants, you know they. Uh, I forget how many of the World Series they won as a wild card team. Yeah. But it just gives those teams another shot, and not only that, but the recent iteration of it where it's the one-game playoff. Yeah, love it. And granted, the A's, we've been in it twice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the first year I started working here, which was against the Royals, which was an epic oh, baseball game. Yes. John Lester on the bump. You know, we got guys, like, players that were on the roster for a specific reason. So you've got guys on the Royals that are just like, hey, we're just going to go pinch run with this guy, and he's going to yep. steal all day. Yeah. and It's just, the ultimate we're gonna...
0: strategy game. It, it, it's like a game seven. I mean, th- th- that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, you're... It, it, it's a short lease for your starter. You're, you're going deep in your bench, pinch, pinch, pinch runners, pinch hitters, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's do or die. You see it's crazy awesome. stuff.
1: So, like, two years ago, I had never been to a wild card game. And then two years ago, the D-backs uh, were in it against the Rockies. Right. A divisional wild card game. That's awesome. It was awesome, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we went to that game. The, the electricity at Chase Field was outstanding. Um, and then you got deep into the game. It was somewhat tight. They bring in Archie Bradley. And it's just like, we can't take this guy out. So yeah. guess what? He's got a hit. Relief, yeah. relief pitcher's got a hit. Right. Okay. And then he knocks a triple. I mean, you know The I mean? place just, is going it's, it's magical. So I'm really excited for the end of the season. We've got, uh, as of today, I mean, obviously this will air probably afterwards. Hopefully, right. you know, it'll be a great thing. And then we got five games left. Yep. Um, And we just got to see how it pans out, man. We, yeah. need, we want that wild card game at home. That would right. be amazing for us. Right. I think... Oakland deserves it. I think our fan base would go absolutely nuts, Yep. and uh, it would just be fun to watch. So.
0: Yeah, pack that Coliseum. Yeah. Man. So how long have you been with the A's now?
1: Um, a little over five years. Okay. So um, just to kind of roll it back a little bit, the A's used to play where actually ASU plays baseball now.
0: Okay. At the, was that Phoenix the Phoenix Uni. Yes. Yeah,
1: so it's right by the zoo. They played there for a long time. It's a really cool spot. You Mm -hmm. get Papago. You get to see the mountains. It's great.
0: It's a great background, yeah.
1: Um, Five years ago, though, the Cubs had moved away. They built a brand new stadium, Sloan. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they left Hookam open. And so we were always looking for something with a little bit more. So Phoenix Muni didn't have an outfit. You couldn't sit on the grass. You know what I mean? You couldn't walk around the whole stadium. Seating was limited parking limited.
0: That's a big deal, because when you think spring training baseball, you think, you know, grabbing some lawn seats, you know, you're just enjoying the game, you're just taking it all in. Oh, way. yeah.
1: I mean, there's nothing better than being able to bring a blanket yeah. and just put it down there on the grass yeah. and, and watch and run around. Yeah, it's
0: an intimate environment. You're there for the experience.
1: Exactly. And so the other thing that moving out here to Mesa did for us was it's kind of in a suburban area, right? Yeah. So there's a community that we can kind of rally or rally behind us, more uh, so to speak where phoenix muni is kind of like in an i don't want to say industrial but it's not like nestled in a no in a residential um so that process of moving out here and kind of taking over the cubs old stadium and renovating it and making it our own they needed somebody to do that so that's where they kind of brought me on and um i mean it's been a great ride ever since man i think we've turned that that building into something that um, it's twofold. One, we want to make it an experience. We want to make it um, familiar to those that've been there before, but yep. new right. and and vibrant and yep. a lot different than what it was before. And then, secondly, as you probably know, we're we're trying to get a, a new stadium in Oakland.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, I have that. What I want to get. Into yeah, as well. it's
1: you know that's a big initiative for us, and that's yep. something that we really want. It's something that the residents of Oakland want. I think it's a great thing for the Bay Area. But this has kind of acted as a precursor to that. You know, when you show up down here, spring training, and that's that's always been a mindset of ours. Like this place, this place is painted uh, green and gold. Yeah. Like we've got hard A's logos with like lights behind them, and right. and you know we're not.
0: When you step, it is no one else's stadium but the A's. Yeah, like, you, you really, know you really you know feel it's at home. Yes. Yeah,
1: and and so we want to always make sure that you know this is a little taste of what it could be like. And even with the
0: concessions, you got some Bay Area stuff. I mean, you really want to make it feel like, you know, home. Oh, yeah. And it's it's an extension of Oakland.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's pride in it, too, to say, like, hey, we're the only ones that play here, man. This is our building. You're coming into our house. Right. That type of mentality. And, um, you know, it's been great. We've got nothing but great feedback. Um, Granted, obviously, I'm pretty prideful and and boastful in it because, like, I run the place. For sure. But um, I love it. I've met so many great people there. Some people that come back. We've got a tailgate crew.
0: They're awesome. That are just fantastic. I remember working the golf carts, taking people up. And, you know, they're just, they're so nice to everyone. And oh, fighting. yeah. I mean, they, they, have, they have their spring friends. I mean, it's just new people every year that come in and, you know, they end up meeting at the game or meeting before the game and all of a sudden they're tailgating before tailgating after i mean they're they're an awesome crew. yeah no
1: shout out town biz barbecue dude i mean the they best. Uh, we've worked with them like i let them put out a little uh, storage unit yeah because that's their spot that's they're there great. sometimes they've gotten there before i've gotten there and that yeah. is uh you know that's in, that's impressive yeah and they're they're there after i leave too so it's uh it's been great so far yeah so five years and um it goes quick dude
0: were you here when I'm looking at the Will Ferrell picture? Yeah. Right now, were you here when that happened? Yeah. That right. was the coolest thing ever. So, it, just quickly, if, if you guys don't know, it was HBO, right? And Will mm-hmm. did all the Arizona parks in one day, and he played a different position. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So go on about that when he came. And I assume he's got the white pants on. So was it at? Was it a home it game? It was a home game. game. Well, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome.
1: every facility. Uh, so there's ten facilities in the in the valley. He went to every one. Yes. Um. And he started with us. And actually, the premise behind it was, one of our players, Burt Campaneris, in a Major League Baseball game, played all nine positions. Really. And so I didn't know that. That's that was the premise. That's and so cool. And so it was cool. like Will Ferrell, and actually it was a it was a collaborative um, idea between Funny or Die, okay, HBO, Will Ferrell, and then maybe some other players in there. I think it was sponsored by somebody. I forget. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, it was done for charity, which is really, really cool, right? right? Um, Because there was a lot of logistical things that needed to get worked out. I mean, because he
0: was flying, like, in helicopters all over the place. Yeah. It was a spectacle. Yeah.
1: And you know what? For me, as an operations guy and and someone running a facility, we knew about it. I couldn't say anything about it. Yeah. And this was, like, kind of a, for lack of a term, like a shock drop, right? Like, I think it dropped two or three days before the game was actually going to occur. Yeah. Did you guys so, just get flooded? N- well, so that so th- that actually didn't help us because, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't market it, right? I couldn't be right. like, hey, man, Will Ferrell's coming here on yeah. whatever date it was. I forget. what Maybe, like, the 16th or 17th of March, something mm-hmm. like that. I couldn't be like, hey, he's coming. Right. And then two days, not a lot of time uh-huh. for people to, like, change their plans or make right. it out. But we were the first stadium, so what that allowed us to do was I wasn't, I didn't have to worry about getting him in from somewhere. I just had to worry about getting him out and the entourage. But to, to his credit, like Will Ferrell, it's funny. He was playing Will Ferrell. He was himself. Yeah. But he did have a, like, I'm Will Ferrell, the pro baseball player persona. Yes. So if I remember correctly, I think he came in with... At the time, like I think he was wearing like Beats by Dre. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. Yeah, like like it's like Sunday NBA prime time. They're following the players walking in. Yeah, and they're dressed like cra- like craziness to get the Beats on. Yeah, the shades on inside. Yeah, he's he going just played it up.
1: He's going full like all in on it. And um, you know, we got him out there. He got to take batting practice with us, which That's was awesome. Great. Yeah, like, none of the teams he got to do that with.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and he started. Uh, he started for us so we got to we were the only team and this was like one of the coolest things of my career so i do a lot of the scoreboard graphics for the uh right. for the game and so because he started with us that means we got to do like the whole like pop and circumstance like starting yeah. lineup intro yeah right? and i've got it recorded somewhere but i'm like oh dude i'm making like a starting lineup slide yeah for will ferrell right because he wouldn't have been on the scoreboard unless he hit for us like in the batting exactly world. um and it gets to be announced. And so yep. literally, so this picture that you see, that was taken by a buddy of mine named Austin. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, I need that photo ASAP. Yeah. Photoshopped it, That's made a slide. Yeah. Threw it up there. It gets announced on there. Starting Will Ferrell. You yeah. Know what I mean, and uh, <laughs> it was epic and he was doing, you know, his classic antics, but. Right. But uh, yeah, man, entourage, like I had to get extra police, you know, we had to do like a police escort to get him out. I forget right. where he went after this. I think he went, I want to say Salt River or something like okay. that. Um, but it was it was fun, man. It was so fun to be a part of something like that. And then at the end of the day, like yeah, it threw a wrench in a lot of things. And right. luckily, we didn't get impacted too much. I think we had to up uh, the game by like an hour. Okay. But the other teams, like if you were the last team, yeah, that's pretty nerve wracking. Right. Like you have to start a game at a certain
0: time. Yeah. You don't know when he's going to show up. No. Nope. And you gotta kind of they could be they could be stalling, yeah. waiting for me. It was like oh this. Of course, this game's flying by, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, and that, that probably happened across a couple different ballparks, yeah. especially the ones towards the end.
1: And you got to figure it out, you know, but, um, but no, it was, uh, it was really, really fun. And, uh, in fact, the tops made some baseball cards of him. That's great. So we got him in like the A's uni and, yeah, and, um, yeah, that's probably the most memorable thing that's ever happened at spring training and
0: I've sure. been happy to be a part of it. Yeah. And like you mentioned, the A's they got approved for a new stadium, but that's obviously a process. So is it approved, like, it's going to happen, or it's just been approved that they can now seek the opportunities and the funding and all the logistical stuff to possibly build this new stadium? Like, like is it possible to put a percentage on, you know, if this is going to happen or not? Because the Raiders are moving to Vegas. Right. And the Coliseum right. is not, I mean, it's it's huge, it's, it, it's old, it's dated. The, the A's deserve you know a smaller stadium so you can pack it more a more intimate environment but something that's meant and will be just for baseball
1: yeah i mean you know i'm not because i'm down here obviously i don't have a whole lot of involvement in the efforts of what's okay. going on up there right. but you know as far as likelihood i mean we're on a great pace man for sure you know this is the furthest we've ever been i think in discussions for any type of new stadium location mm-hmm. obviously this has been an ongoing process for a yeah. while and um you know what I will say is that everything that we do, everything I do, I mean, even when I talk to people, we talk about new ballpark. Yeah. Like we talk about it as an eventuality, because our efforts as a team, as a front office, as um, everybody that puts on an A's polo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is that this thing is going to happen, and we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that it does happen. And you know, like you said, through this season, I think we're right on track with the timeline. You know, when I've got when I've got people coming down to spring training last year architects planners looking at like what, what can we learn to do that like yeah i mean th- these are legitimate conversations yeah that has to know. be
0: very promising you're yeah. like okay this is good th- this is what happens these are kind of the pre- preliminary yeah. starting stuff for a new stadium in oakland
1: yeah 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 and we've got you know i go to oakland you know probably once a quarter and okay. i'm from the bay area right um and where they want to put it in howard terminal um right where um there's like those shipping container cranes
0: yeah
1: i mean it's cool dude yeah you can't, and they can put, a there, there's a picture that came out last week, I think, on social media, where they put, like, a, a bolt in the ground, like, yeah. in this parking lot, uh-huh. and that bolt is where home plate is going That's to be. That's really cool. So, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there, it, this is how we're We're moving along and yeah. we're going, and, and, uh, and yeah, like I said, you know, everything that we're doing is to make this thing come yeah. to life um, within the next couple of years yeah. here, and Oakland deserves it. Um, the plans for it are very very cool I don't mm-hmm. know if you have seen any renditions of the I've the seen some pictures that looks really cool. Yeah. And and uh I just think you know for the bay area and specifically for for the East Bay
0: mm-hmm. just
1: with a lot of the teams leaving you know this because right, like, I
0: imagined um with with the Warriors going to the other side of the uh other side of the bridge here I mean they have to be pretty upset cuz there is a dynamic there San Francisco is sort of like the big brother, the more well-off versus Oakland, which I mean, it's it's just at least from um, an outsider, it's a different yeah.
1: Perspective. I mean, I don't know. I think I think that's maybe like a you know like a a common story that's kind yeah. of told and um, overblown
0: a little bit. I don't even want to
1: say the media, maybe just yeah. like in stereotype. Yes, um, I wouldn't necessarily put it that way. I think, I think Oakland, I think the Bay Area in general has just been taken over by by tech. Yeah, and no matter where you are, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean everywhere is like up and coming and and new and improved and and state of the art. Um, San Francisco, because uh, where the new stadium is or the whatever it's called Chase Center yeah um, you know that's just I don't know that's that's just kind of like an easier place to put it
0: yeah, you know
1: than Oracle arena. you've been you'
0: been to Oracle. No, okay. it, it, it's on my bucket list though, just to pay homage to the, right. to the greatness of 2016. Right, right, right,
1: right, right. I and think you sure. were you talking about, who, somebody was Ar- talking about touching the...
0: Yeah, it was Artigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to, uh, yeah, and I said something a little graphic about the backboard, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's because the, of the block, whatever. That's what I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. No.
1: yeah I got it, I got
0: it. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, the Raiders, um, the Warriors, for what it's worth, like, you know, I grew up a Warriors fan. I went to Oracle Arena. Yeah. I saw Michael Jordan play at Oracle Arena, That's or whatever awesome. it was called at the time. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of history there. Yeah. And and they've always been... I mean, their name was always Golden State. Before that, they were San Francisco. Right. I see it. It's yeah. Like, you know, it is what it is. I get it. The Raiders, um, you know, they they obviously needed a facility to their own. We yeah. need a facility to their own. Yeah. It kind of worked in our favor that they want to go to Vegas. Yep. Um, and and they have a great fan base too yeah so from our fans perspective you know i think that oakland there is a lot of pride in the east bay and there's there's a lot of pride in 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 being rooted in oakland and and having that name on the chest of your jersey Mm -hmm. um and uh for us to want to stay there i think that's huge for them i think that i think that's huge for the community um The other thing that our team does that, you know, the other teams did as well, but I think we take pride in, is that we really want to be a part. We want to be a part of the ecosystem of, like, where we play. Um, And a byproduct of that, too, is that we play the most out of any of those teams. Yeah. So we're there all summer.
0: Right. I mean, you go through. I mean, every team has home stretches. You guys could play literally 10 games in 10 nights. Yeah. There's a ball game 10 straight days in Oakland.
1: But, I mean, you know. Not only that, but, you know, it's not like we would just be, if you look at the plans, you look at the the thought process, it's not just that we're building a new stadium. Yeah. Like, the old stadium, like, we want to do stuff on that, that site. We want to go yeah. ahead and make that like a park. We want to make that like mm-hmm. a place for people that live there to utilize and, yeah. and remember, like, what used to be there. Yeah. I think too many times, um, you know, you build a new stadium. And, and I, I can see this even from personal experience. So I grew up. I don't know, maybe seven miles south of Candlestick Park. Okay. It's Candlestick Park. Obviously, Giants and the 49ers played there. Yeah. And because those two teams played there, a lot of history. Right. More so on the football side.
0: Yeah. Especially um, that, that time, too. Yeah. With, with the teams that they've had. Yeah, like, man. Storied franchise.
1: And going there and, and you know, granted, I'm, you know, it was kind of a dump. It was antiquated. Yeah. Um, And it was cold as hell there, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Like, w- wind would just whirl around and yeah. whip. And, and it was it was kind of miserable. Yeah. But it was kind of our miserable. Yeah. Right? And it was just like, you know what? Yeah, it's Candlestick. And, yeah. Um, so when the Giants moved, their ballpark, beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I loved oh, it when I was a fan.
0: So so it, yeah. that's one of the places I want to visit so bad. On, on TV, it looks amazing. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. I will say that. I will give them credit. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to watch baseball. The Bay hitting, hitting home runs into the water is great. Yeah. Um, When they left, it was kind of like, well, what are we going to do with Candlestick? Well, guess what? It's a Bay Area, right? So we got to utilize some real estate. Yeah. If we're not using it, it's got to go. Yeah. Um, And that was sad. So, like, when I go home, I drive past it, and I see, like, condos or whatever the heck's over there. Yeah. It's like, dude. Yeah. I grew up here, you know? And when the 49ers moved away, they don't even play in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, they're in Santa Clara. Right. And, um, but... I think that's that's one of the sad things. Like even when we moved like going back way in our history, Philadelphia days, you know what I mean, those stadiums don't exist anymore. No. And, um, maybe a plaque on. Yeah. Whatever. A Starbucks that is now. Right. On yeah. Top
0: of, yeah, it's a Starbucks yeah. or a Whole Foods or something, you yeah. know.
1: But some place that that you can you can go to and be like, yeah, man, this is where Ricky set the steel record, or yeah, this is where the 89 World Series was played, you know, the earthquake, you know, Councilor Park.
0: You still, like yeah. Exist you can go on anymore. YouTube and still watch that old the old broadcast. It's yeah, crazy. dude.
1: I was eight years old, man. I remember that day very vividly. I was in my mm. mom's work, and some one of her coworkers like threw me under a cubicle. Yeah. You know that was kind of the 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 way to do things at the time. Like yeah. I think I think they tell kids not to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like go into it, a door been, jam or something. Has been updated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like you know seat belts and all that stuff. But <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh but I remember it vividly, dude. And um but. You know, with with the stadium situation, um, we need one. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do we need one, but I think Oakland deserves one. For sure. I think the Bay Area deserves it. Um, I think our team deserves it. And, and more importantly, I think at the end of the day, like when it gets built, um, it's going to do so much for that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the board, jobs, um, like I said, community, being a part of uh, – what they've got going on there that 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 residential area the the community colleges mm-hmm. the um the storefronts uh transportation everything so yeah. i'm looking forward to it um you know write me in to be there on an opening day or the preseason game or whatever we do to, to kind of open that building right but yeah
0: i think it's i think it'll be great yeah i think so too let's take a little t- little little uh, shift here we, we've talked in the past you're you're um you're a podcast guy you like to listen to a di- different podcasts. i know you've mentioned uh joe rogan before but as i'm looking back at these skateboards i know you've mentioned you listen to a a skateboard podcast and that's something that you're into yeah right yeah so when have you always been into skateboarding is that a hobby you know what what is it about um skateboarding that you're Um, so attracted to
1: so i think it i think it all falls in line with like kind of my persona Mm -hmm. Uh, and what i mean by that is like i grew up in the city yep um not, not like straight up urban. I wasn't downtown San Francisco. Yeah. I grew up in South San Francisco, which is basically by the airport. Okay. Uh, the moniker is like the industrial city. Yep. So I think back early, early, you know, whatever, 1900s or whatever this yep. place was, and don't, um, I could get fact checked on this. We need a Jamie or somebody. Yeah. To like
0: yeah. This yeah producer. We need a yeah, producer yeah. over here. Like, but, oh, look this up.
1: You know what I mean? It was like the blue collar area and uh, the factories and stuff like that. Uh, but residential. And, and so I was still urban, though. Like, it yeah. was still, like, a city environment. Mm-hmm. And so with that, like, came with a culture. For sure. And skateboarding, when I was a kid, um, I don't know. There was just, like, a, a culture about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up around the Palo Peralta days. So we're talking, like, 80s, early 90s, where it was kind of, like, you know, neon and, yeah. and skateboarding. Cool dude. Mm-hmm. But San Francisco had a little bit of a different vibe with skateboarding like we didn't have vert ramps okay like I'm not going to uh, skate park per no. se we had those and there's some great it's skaters. almost like
0: I feel like you know when you don't have a skate park you're almost making like it, it, I don't know how to relate this to like parkour but it's with like with a yeah. skateboard like you're, yeah. you're finding like everyday yeah. things that are just around that are there that aren't used for skateboarding yeah. but you're but but you're using it to you know do a trick or, or, or yeah. whatever else yeah
1: and that's that's basically what we did there's a lot of hills yeah in San Francisco across yep. the board so you know using that to bomb hills and like yeah ollie off of curbs and stuff like that and try to grind on stuff yeah really cool there's a one of the one of the main members of the Bones Brigade which is kind of the the group that Pal Peralta started with they actually made like videos and things like that mm-hmm. um, named Tommy Guerrero and he was from San Francisco and that was his thing like he was a street skater yeah And he would go around, and he would bomb hills and kind of cut in and out of driveways, go down Lombard Street and, like, record all this kind of stuff. I thought that was cool, dude. Um,
0: This is making me – have you ever seen mid-'90s? This is making me think severely of mid-'90s. Is that pretty realistic? Like, is that, like, a sort Uh, of vibe that you're you're kind of describing here?
1: So skateboarding, like, evolves like anything else, if you want to use that term. I did not really get into the skateboarding culture of, like – anti-establishment yeah like screw you dude i'm just gonna like grind on yeah. your railing and your, yeah. your your seating just because yeah you, know you skip
0: school that day but then you still go to school just to yeah. like screw it,
1: the man like yeah i never got into that vibe i got into like the creativity vibe that's yeah. what like really appealed to me mm-hmm. like the creativity on a couple of fronts one of it's an art form to like uh on a skateboard deck the graphic I mean the graphic is like yeah. the main thing it's just yeah. like dude look at how cool that looks like it's, it's a like a skull. form of
0: expression with, with, with you know what your board is you're able to get creative with yeah
1: it. you can you can customize it just, I mean it's just like with with you know dudes in cars right yeah. like you buy a car okay it's stock yeah. well, I want to I put this on there I want to yeah. make this I want to make it my own mm-hmm. and that's what you can do with a skateboard but that's on the actual equipment side and then on the skating side is the utmost creativity it's right. just like okay what, what what have people done with this art form what have people done with this industry so far how do I take it to the next step yeah. what else can I possibly do on this and um, that really appealed to me and then you know I lost a little bit of love for it just like with anything it goes in and out of style Like, right. skating honestly died like mid 90s yeah like it was like nah dude whatever right. like, nobody's into that anymore no um But then it kind of came back with the uh, invention of the X Games. Right. And specifically...
0: Because it went like mainstream.
1: It went way mainstream. Yeah. And and I think that's where you get a lot of that anti-establishment. Yeah. Because people that were still in skateboarding through the whatever, the dark times... Yeah. You know, now that's like, what the heck? Now people are liking my stuff. Just like with bands. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm on this indie band. Yeah. Oh, crap. They got like an, a billboard top 100. I hate yeah. these guys now. Yeah, right. Um, I think that's what happened. but So X Games and then Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah. So Tony Hawk Pro Skater got you into skating without having to have any type of skating ability. Yeah. And you could do all these awesome tricks and combos. And like I said, you're customizing your board and you're kind of like... There's kind of a mix mash there. You're, like, going and, and avoiding the police and all that kind of stuff. Um, that really, and so I got back into it again. Yeah. And so when I first went to college, so funny, like, my friends, like, bag on me for it. Like, you know, I moved into the dorms. And you know, I brought like four skateboards yeah. and I hang up this like independent flag, independent truck flag. Yeah. People were like, who's this? Dude? Yeah.
0: Who's this guy? Oh, oh, we got one of these guys. Oh yeah. We got one of these dudes. It's Looks like, like, I'm going to the RA to make a complaint already. Yeah, trying to man. get, re, trying to get re uh, re. Uh, oh dude, he's working. Another you know, roommate.
1: Name. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to go out and, you know, ruin and, and graffiti stuff or whatever. But, yeah. But, um, but now looking back, you know, I'm, I'm a really nostalgic type of person. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, Again, I'm thirty eight years old. Uh, I don't want to know say if it's like a midlife crisis or whatever, but and it's funny because it's going with the times. I think my age group. I'm still technically, I think by date, millennial.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: But whatever the Gen Y or whatever X-Z it is before that.
0: Something I don't know. So I'm like right in the middle there. Yeah.
1: But today's culture, it's all coming back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like shows like Stranger Things. Like, 80s, like, this yeah. is my childhood. And I cases. love
0: that feeling. That's a big reason why I love, because it takes me back to a time to almost how I wish my childhood was. I remember for a little bit, right, you know, riding your bikes around with your friends and you're staying out and, you know, you wait for the light to come yeah. on and that's when you it, come home. I've, I had that very little, but I feel like that's totally non-existent
1: now. Oh, dude, I was just thinking about this this morning, ironically. I was like... You know, like I said, I used to be a film major and stuff, right. but when I was a kid, I'd make videos.
0: Yeah, like, I, was, I was talking about... So, um, did you hear... I know you said he listened to the Big Dolls one a little bit. That's mm-hmm. We kind of talked about that. He'd like remake jackass videos and then I would like you know during we had you know the big family camcorder you know it's this ginormous thing
1: and you know what I think there's an argument to be made that like that's more accessible to a lot more people right Yeah. you have a phone you can make a video and and they can make them
0: actually like really good now like ours used to be like the gritty like you kind of find a way to do it but now Mm. you can have iMovie it's free you upload it on your phone and all of a sudden you're like People are making like pretty like right. sick like short films. I think there was even a movie that did pretty well this year. Yeah that was in theaters that was like primarily shot on an iPhone. Well it's insane. You know what?
1: That's my point. I think there's great things to be said about that.
0: Oh, 100 percent
1: You lose, and that's yes. what you think I, you lose the creativity. Yeah. You know, you lose the imagination of like, hey man, I need to have this prop in here. Yeah. What can I make to make this look like this? Oh what? whatever. I'll just 3D print something. And yeah. Pay. Like it's what insane. the heck? Like the accessibility, which is great, but Absolutely. at the same time, the creativity, I feel like, gets lost. And so yeah. so moving back to that, like going back to skateboarding, um, you know, these guys, these dudes that are skateboarding, specifically the Bones Brigade, th- those are like my favorite skaters, man. And to give you a background who these guys are, yeah, a guy named Stacy Peralta, Power Peralta is a skateboard company. Stacy, if you ever seen the, the movie uh, Lords of Dogtown or like Dogtown Z-Boys, it was based off of him and these guys that lived down Long Beach, um, Newport, whatever, down in, in SoCal. And they were like the first like sponsored skateboarders, right? But their, their style of skateboarding was pools. So they were yeah. ex-surfers. They took that medium mm-hmm. and like, you know what? We're going to take skateboarding. And we're going to empty out these dudes' pools, and we can surf in there.
0: Now, what came before? So, like, at skate parks, you see the things that they go down underneath. Was that inspired by the pool skating, or which one came first?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, pool skating really was kind of like, you know, like I said, kind of that creativity, that imagination of, like, dude, what if we this surface is really smooth. Right. There's no cracks in it. Yep. And it's an empty pool and you kind of go up and down. Right, and there's a, kinda, a
0: deep end and a yeah. shallow end. You get a little and, ramp there. And so,
1: like, you don't have to go a far distance, but yeah. every time you go up and down and carve, you're gaining momentum. Right. Um, so, from that spawned kind of more of like, you know, well, what if we combine street skating and, and ramps and, and dips and things like that? You get skate parks. But but stacy peralta he was one of those guys and then he he decided i'm going to start a skateboard company and i'm going to market our skateboards in a way that's completely different from anybody else in that you know product marketing for skateboards was like look this is the new model check yeah. it out it's got xyz wheels and it's got bearings and these yeah. are the trucks and right. this is the width and the length whatever he's like dude kids don't give a crap about that no kids want to get something that's cool yeah so like our marketing is we're going to focus on on Skaters that have great talent, great ability, but that are marketable. Like the yeah. kids are gonna be like, I just want to be like Lance Mountain. Yeah, I want to be like Tony Hawk was part of the Bones Brigade. People, sure. people mostly people think of Tony Hawk as like the old dude that yeah. did the nine hundred or did X Games or yeah. now, you know, runs a company called Birdhouse or whatever. Yeah. But he started as a kid and right. he was. They did competitions back then, and he was one of the most technical skaters out there. Um, so the creativity of these kids. Like, it's really like an 80s story, you yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, kids that are 12, 13, 8, yeah. 9, like, oh, how, what can I do with this skateboard? What can I do with this? What can I, how can I uh, take this to the next level? And you look at them today, they're all, like, over 50 years old. It's crazy. Yeah. It makes, me, it makes me, it's really strange to me. Yeah. But they're all uh, very successful, like, business owners. Right. And people that have uh, um, taken the next step. The, the biggest, my favorite skater probably is a guy named Steve Caballero. Um, he's from San Jose he wasn't the most flashiest on the, he was on the team but he had style and he yeah. came up with a brand yeah. so his brand is like a dragon right so he's got dragons on his board um van's shoes which would make skateboarding shoes he partnered with them and he he created his own signature skateboarding shoe that's which awesome. they still make today it's called the the half Cab, um, which is the best skateboarding shoe like on on the planet yeah um he does art he paints he like He's got all. He's like into more. Like they've gone off, and it's that mentality of these kids that have ran with the creativity, the imagination. Like, yeah, yeah. I skateboard. Whatever. People look at that as a dumb medium. Right. But I've used it to kind of progress and see like what can I make the most. You're out of You've seen that
0: with athletes now. You really don't hear about athletes. Don't they don't go as broke as much as they used to. They right. They understand how money works now. Right. And right, even when they're coming into the league, and this is be, being being becoming a part so much so of free agency meetings I imagine right. especially with this whole new wave that's come in it's okay you know what can you give me on the floor but what else is going you know around here I mean you hear about you know the 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 Brooklyn stuff you know with KD mm-hmm. and you know Kyrie going there and you know there's Rock Nation and Alibaba like all that stuff is super important and at the end of the day you know these guys who are still in their prime like winning and what's going on, on the floor is still priority one right but for some guys, it's almost – it's like a 1A, 1B or a very close 1 and 2 with the off-the-floor investing business stuff.
1: Well, I mean – and there's a conversation to be made even recently like in college athletics, right? Yeah. Like that's your brand. Yep. Right? You know, you go, go into like somebody like KD, KD Shoes. Like it's got his name on it. Mm-hmm. Right. These Right? These are things that they want to be able to control. That right. They want to be able to progress. They want to make sure that they're doing the best. Case in point, your guy LeBron. Yeah. you know what I
0: mean. Like was my guy. Was your guy? <laughs> I got you. I got you. He you what? still love him though. He brought,
1: oh, of course. He, he brought the no, the Naismith or whatever it is. Over. The Na- That's college. Oh my bad. The Larry O'Brien. Larry O'Brien, dude, yeah. dude, dude. I yeah. do that a lot. Yeah, you're that just that
0: like, yeah, we won three and four years. You know, I just, you know, it just is so, you know, it's just whatever to me. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know what whatever. I mean? it's, uh,
1: <laughs> you know, but that the brand potential and yeah. being able to control like your representation and what you right. stand but I think the other side of it too is just that you know you want to be a part of things that you agree with right Right. Um, and skateboarding going back to that again you know these guys these kids which is very much like an 80s movie that are now 50 they've been <laughs> able to to control their brand and do yeah. what they want to do the, the one dude that if I can encourage you guys to listen to he, he gives TED Talks okay and his name is Rodney Mullen. And uh, he was part of the Bones Brigade. He was a freestyle skater, so freestyling is a form of skating that was like predates street. wasn't pools. It was a flat piece of like plywood almost, with with wheels on it, Uh and basically, it was looked down upon. It was looked like, oh, dude, that's like ballet stuff. So basically, you're like spinning. Really? You're kind of just like, yeah. you know, flipping it. Uh-huh. You're not really kind of doing air maneuvers okay. or jumping over stuff. You're just kind of spinning and flipping the board okay. and, and walking and things like that. So it kind of was looked down upon, but he was the best in the world. And and he made it his own. And then he took that and he is really, they call him the godfather of, of street skating. Wow. So he took that thought process of like just spinning around on a skateboard and like, I'm going to take this, I'm going to grind down handrails. I'm going to invent something. Called, he invented probably more than half of the skating tricks.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but in his TED Talks, he talks about the process. And this is like amazing. It's like insane. With anything, like he talks about, you know, the learning process. Skateboarding is one of those mediums where the only way you learn is by failure. Like there's no way you're landing this trick the first time. Yeah there's no way you're going to fall not only are you going to fall but you can like seriously injure yourself oh yeah you know i mean you wear a helmet you wear pads whatever but you're gonna break some bones you're gonna this isn't like going out to the
0: driving range and working on a swing and you know you know i'm gonna be sore a little bit and you know it'll get better over time no this is like this could be months even years in the making working on a trick because oh i have to be off for a while because i snapped my wrist yeah
1: and then willing to do it Again. Yeah. And we're going to be like, you know what? Or right, I'm finally healed. When's the next time I can go right. out there and try to attempt the same thing again? Right. And um, it's really
0: all on you to do. And there's really no shame. Like, yeah, you snapped your wrist. If you have the yips now at the top of the thing and you're not going to do the spin or the turn or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, no one's really going to – like, no one's done this before. Uh, last time you tried, you broke your wrist. We're really not going to get on you if, you know, you just can't do it or, you know, you're going to move on to something else. So that takes – serious courage to get out there and do it again. Well,
1: and so that's why he's giving TED Talks to like Fortune 500 companies because yeah. he's like, look, dude, this is the process and this is my process. It's going to be painful. But you have to take those those injuries and, and even if you don't get injured, why you didn't land it into consideration. And then it's the fine-tuning of, okay, well, I popped I pop the board a little bit too early here. So next time I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah,
1: and Okay, so I, try, I figured that out. But I can't land it because I'm landing my, with my weight too far forward. Yeah. So now yeah. I got to figure that out, and that's how this guy's mind works. And it's like amazing, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, he, he just has a different way of thinking, um, and that is like that's like what really appeals to me about. Right. See, so yeah. I don't, I'm not going around, you know what I mean? I don't go down, you know, Scottsdale
0: Road. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <like laughs> yeah, grinding yeah. curves and some like of that. Yeah. First of all, I get laughed at. have like, yeah. this guy, but. Yeah. Secondly, I'm be, yeah, I'm gonna be making my way down to Scottsdale. I'm like, is, that, is that Joe Pun trying, uh, to, trying to? Wait, what is he doing here? Yeah, yeah, man.
1: But for me, like skating with my daughter, like you know, rolling down to the park on a skateboard. and right. I mean, that's what I do. I just like the uh, the art form, the culture, mm-hmm. and and uh, what it kind of represented for me. And uh, and yeah. So and in fact, yeah, we got Rodney Mullen right there. Yeah, with the, there it is. The Signed deck. So.
0: Yeah, when you talk about nostalgia and all the culture and stuff, I feel like you embody that, not only with your skateboarding, but you're huge. You're shoe nut, shoe collector. Yeah. So yeah. have you always been obsessed? When, when did this start?
1: Um, I think it goes back to, like, the culture thing and where I grew up. Right. So that street culture. So when I went to – when I was in junior high and high school, um, even before that, you know, shoes were really rooted in basketball. Yeah. Those were shoes. You know I mean? There's some casual shoes here and there, but like the shoes that you want, mm-hmm. those are basketball shoes. They're right. Jordans. Right. Primarily. At the time when I was a kid, like Barkley. Yep. Duke Barkley had some sweet shoes. Yeah. Um, I, I was a Nike guy. Yep. You know,
0: I mean, granted, there was some like Reebok, Adidas. I was like, nah, dude. Yeah. Nike. Is that probably Jordan. like 99 or 98% of your collection right now? Nike and Jordan?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... You know, there's a term out there like hype beast, dude. Like, I'm not getting shoes just because I think everybody wants them. Yeah. I like the shoes that I think look cool. And yeah. Granted, there's a lot of crossover there. Right. But pri- primarily Jordan. Um, I've got some Yeezys, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Adidas, like, just because I like them. Yeah. Um, New Balance, whatever. If How it big looks is your cool. collection right now? I was trying to think about that this morning. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm sad to say, it's probably, it's not crazy, dude. Okay. I would say maybe like 50 pairs.
0: But that's that's a healthy that's, amount. That's right? a healthy amount. Yeah, like, like I
1: don't. Let's not do the math. Right. You know I, I mean? feel like
0: the people who have the huge collections are like the athletes that just have gobs and gobs of money. So like for the everyday casual shoe wear, I feel like that is like yeah. huge. Like because it's somewhat to scale, right? You would think I with would, like athletes uh, to like yeah, I would casual say that. People. I
1: think, dude, there's there's a rabbit hole with sneakers, man. And what do you mean? And you live on college campus. You can you can be the guy that's just like I like these shoes yep. and I like I'm gonna buy them. Okay, yep. so you're that guy. You can be the guy like these are some stylish shoes. Mm-hmm. I like these. I'll pay a little bit more. Right. I'm gonna buy them. Then you can be the guy that's like, dude, these are limited release shoes. Yeah. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes to kind of like you cannot you can't go to Foot Locker and buy a pair of Yeezys. No, right? you have to like play the game.
0: Right, like Turtle from Entourage. Yeah, like, you have to figure
1: yeah. out when they're releasing. You gotta yep. win a raffle. You can be that yeah. guy. I'm kind yep. of I'm kind of that guy. Uh-huh. and then you've got the dudes that are, that that are like I just need to get as many pairs of shoes as possible yeah. like if it's a new release like it's an addiction but then also uh, for the purpose of making money right yeah I, so I know
0: some people who've done very well
1: you can do very very well yeah uh, yeah to the point where you know you don't have a day job the day job is yeah. flipping shoes yeah <laughs> which is crazy dude I mean out of like Trunks of cars and yeah. you know college campus dorm rooms like some dudes. You see that
0: stuff in TV and movies, but it's real. Like there are yeah.
1: people out there like. And I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like I partake in that.
0: Yeah, like to the not? point where
1: if I'm so I got I, I bought a pair of uh, Travis Scott. Cool. Uh, Jordan ones. They retail for, hundred and sixty dollars. Okay. And luckily, I got a pair at retail, so it's kind of one of those ones you have to like win a raffle, chime yeah. in, whatever. And I won a pair, and all of a sudden they're worth like two thousand dollars.
0: So that's so no brain.
1: So yeah, I mean like, now granted, I sat on them for a while because yeah. I'm like, because you have this thing in your possession that you're like, dude, these, I'm never going to be able to get a pair of these again. Yep. Because there's no way I'm paying that much money for a pair of shoes. That's ridiculous. Absolutely not. But they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. So, but it feels good to actually have, hold this right yeah. now. Um, so yeah, I sold them and, and I follow some, some dudes on YouTube and and I follow the, the people that I think are, are legitimate humans and have a family. And they're like, yeah. you know what? Shoes are cool, dude. And we're all about them and, and having the heat. And, 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 and the other thing is that I wear shoes. Right. Like there's guys that buy them and they just like put them in a closet. I was
0: going to ask, do you have any pair of shoes that are strictly, like maybe you've worn them once. Right. But now they're strictly, um, hey, I'm not going to mess with these. No,
1: I've worn pretty much... Every pair of shoe that I own, there is there is one pair that I have not worn, and they're Mm -hmm. not even worth that much. Yeah, Um, and they were um, two Super Bowls ago. Justin Timberlake, cool, was a halftime show, Mm -hmm. and he came out with a pair of custom shoes. Okay, Air Jordan threes. Okay, uh, white cement that he wore there, and they released that day, and I have them, and they're not worth that much. Okay, but it's kind of it's not because I don't want to wear them; it's because I've I've put a a precedent on myself like. There's got to be a worthy occasion yes. for me to like throw these out there. I'm not yes. going to Jack in a box.
0: Yeah, no. In in the J T like Jordan threes like yeah. there's got to be a a legitimate like a wedding or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where people are gonna see them, where, where they can be properly appreciated. Well, dude, I'm not even that guy. You know, <laughs> I, I, say... I didn't mean it in a bad way. No, but yeah, like, but
1: no. I, I will say this, like, yeah. you know, we do career fairs at colleges and stuff, so I'll bust out some shoes just to be like, yeah, man.
0: Oh, I see it on the Instagram stories. He's, you, you get the, I love the professional follow up LinkedIn messages, like, so nice to meet you, Mister P. Oh you know, yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, nice. Uh, I love the, uh, love the kicks. Uh, I say I, I do, do that for it.
1: two for two reasons. One yeah. is like, obviously, that feels good. Oh, but, sure. but secondly, I think that there is a relatable portion to that, to mm-hmm. people that are your age, right? Yeah. Um, because here's the funny thing, dude. All the shoes that, all the sneakers that people want are sneakers that came out when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. So like, like you said, the nostalgia, like the throwback is in. Like yeah. the NBA, they came out with all the throwback stuff. Like they yeah. bring it back one of the ugliest jersey schemes in Cavaliers history. Right. But now we're like, this is the shit. Like, why is this not the pride Like, it, throw it all out. Let's just do this again. The white, royal blue, orange. Are you yes. talking about those ones that says Cavs on the, the
1: chest or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: Or it's not royal blue. It's it's like black. It was like the 90s when like Sean Kemp was oh, there with the, and Andre yeah. Miller. Yeah, and, yeah, that was we're, we're when black. Z-
1: Everybody had a black yes. alternate or something. Yeah, so no, they're bringing I
0: back gosh. the throwback court and, the, and then those jerseys. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I like to wear them... And at the end of the day, though, you know, I sold those shoes mm-hmm. to take my family to Disneyland. Like, that's more important. Like,
0: 100%. You know
1: what I mean? Like, it's a pair of shoes, dude. I don't... I'm not... There's nothing I'm not going to flip right. or give away or whatever just because. Um, and they're not going to be sitting in a closet where, you know, right. it's just like I have them and that's like my yeah. my joy out of them. My joy is like dude it's cool to have them and they yeah. look cool I like wearing them and I outfit my kids and my wife in like cool sneakers like yep. I think it's a you know it's just part of the culture I think like I said growing up um, those shoes were coming out when I was a kid right so there's like days where and it wasn't like that when I was a kid either like the new Jordan came out you could go to Foot Locker that day yeah and get them like nobody's camping out Nobody's, like, you know, buying, like, computer programs to kind of, like, bypass, like, right. online encryption. There's no one coming out that. of the store,
0: like, sorry, everyone, they're gone, go I mean, home. yeah, well, they did sell out, but, right. you know,
1: it was kind of like, nobody knew. I think the other thing, too, was that that information wasn't readily available to anybody. Nobody knew, like, oh, man, they're dropping on Friday at 7, yeah. dude, so we got to go to, to the mall and kind of figure it out. and um, But some of the shoes that I had on I street, I also, when I was a kid, dude, I think the other thing, when you're a kid, you don't have money, man. No. So you're relying on on pops to be like, you know, you got to smooth talk moms to be like, yo, yeah. mom, dude, the Jordan 11s come out. Yeah. And, and that's tough. I'd love you, to, you know. That's yeah.
0: so tough when you don't know when they're coming out because, as every kid knows, and you got to do the smooth talking, that takes time. Yeah, you you can't do that the day up. That's no. really tough to pull off. No, you got to plan a seed. So it makes it even tougher.
1: Yeah, you got to plant a seed. You got to water it, and then yep. you just got to hope keep and pray it. that yes, maybe maybe moms is gonna maybe there's gonna be a a, a shoe shaped box under the tree. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, but now see that's the thing with people my age. I think going back to that concept, we all are in the working world, and and we grew up in a time of uh, merchandising. Yeah. You know my, my parents' generation, there wasn't like merchandising. It wasn't like go to the toy store and yeah. go to the, go to the sneaker shop. It was yeah. kind of like you know, yeah, we buy Vans or we bought this and we're we're good. Yeah. But now we can go back and we have that that buying power to be like, okay, I got a little money set aside for this purpose and yes, <laughs> I'm gonna finally get a pair of these or I'm finally. gonna finally do this and yeah and um, but you know yeah I probably yeah I probably have like fifty and and the other thing too is that I like to customize okay. those things and Big going back AD to that, that thought. well I've done that for spring training right yep. you know just kind of just have my, my team's colors but I'll take shoes that are like oh man that's sacrilege you're like painting them no oh. I don't care man I'm going to paint it because I think oh that's cool you know actually it's so funny like the shoes I'm wearing today I'm wearing some, some Jordan 4s yeah just came out put this put this perspective. these are actually women's shoes
0: Really? Yeah. I would never have been able to tell. Yeah.
1: Who cares? I don't really care. Every they time cool. I see
0: you, I look down. I, I go down up. That, that's how I size yeah, well, you up. And, and then you got the Nike, the or those Air Maxes on the, the Air Max. yeah uh, Yep. We
1: got some Air Max 2s, uh, I think. On That's this. sweet. That's an um, awesome shirt. But uh, these are women's shoes. And I love them. And they come in men's size. It's really a marketing thing. I yeah. mean, no shoe is really men or women. Whatever size you are, you get the shoe. hmm um, but the one thing I didn't like about them is that they had where the Jordan logos are. They had like this iridescent like purple, okay, which was kind of like ah, uh, didn't really fit my scheme. Mm-hmm. So I I literally got them two days ago and mm-hmm. I busted out the paint and I painted that red. And some yeah. people be like, no, dude, the resale like no one went. Like, yeah, I don't care, man. Yeah, whatever. I took a pair of shoes and, and I bought some uh, recently some Plasti Dip. You know what that stuff is? No, what is that? It's a spray on rubber. Okay. So that it's flexible. Like if you've ever... Flexile? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is this some It's, basic, yeah. <laughs> it's basically flexible. So I
1: guess my, you know, I'm not going to get leaks in my shoes, but um, you know, you're a movie guy. You've probably seen like Back to the Future 2. Yep. So like there's a scene in Back to the Future 2 where Doc has to put on some fake age in the future. Yeah. To like, Marty, you wouldn't like recognize me. And he's like pulling this crap off of his face. Right. And it like snaps all... Yep. Uh, that's what this stuff is. It's a flexible black adhesive. Yeah. And the reason you need to do it is because like, you know, when you walk, it flexes. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, dude, screw it. I don't care. This is a good idea. So let's, yeah. let's get after it and see what happens. And dip, you know, we there are people that have been dipping tie dye and kind of yeah. like, you know, cutting things up. I'm all about that, man. Make it your own. Make it, make things personal.
0: Do you have a dream pair? Is there a shoe out there that you're like, this ever comes back? Or, you know, if money wasn't an issue that... Yeah. Like, this, this pulled the trigger. This is, this is what you see when you close your eyes at night.
1: Um, you know what? I think mine are, are fairly attainable. Okay. Uh, not like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. But I'd never buy them for this. Uh, because if I... Those shoes that are that much money, like, what are you going to do? Like, you would not... You don't want to even do anything with them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to put it in a case or something. Right. But there's a, sh- there's a couple of shoes that came out, like... Um, The big thing in in the sneaker market today is collaboration. I think collaboration across the board is like, so you can have a Nike shoe, cool. You have a Nike shoe, ex-Travis Scott, it could look completely terrible. I
0: I can't believe I've never told you this. I'll have to show you the pictures, but for sports business scholars in... February, we were in new york city and we were there we went to the nike headquarters yeah and we saw some of the collaborations and it was also cool because we were there the night after the the morning after zion blew through a shoe yeah okay and they Mm -hmm. answered a ton of cool questions for us because they were literally on the phones all night all morning right super cool like they had those shoes shipped out and they were in beaverton at the nike campus at in like before the sun came up like oh yeah from durham from a technical perspective yeah yeah yeah. it's crazy but um yeah some of the collaborations in there were uh so cool. And then I'll, I'll show you those pictures after this. No, yeah. Dude, awesome. I, so,
1: like, you put a name on there, it automatically gets hyped whether or yep. not it's a cool shoe or not. Yep. Um, but there's been some, I mean, so this guy, Virgil, he's with a company called Off White. I'm yes. sure you're familiar with it. So, yep. they came out with 10 shoes that he collaborated with Nike. He took 10 Nike silhouettes, a couple of Jordans, um, and he recreated them. Wow. And those shoes are fairly limited. Um, I would say they go anywhere between 700 to $3,000. Wow. So, I, I mean, they're still big. It's attainable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You have to have a big purse for it. but um,
0: That's why we see the Brooks Kepka and the Baker Mayfields of the world with uh, off-whites. white Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean,
1: those guys get flashed, though, so they can flex them and then for they sure. feel good and all that. But um, but the off-white Chicago one, which is the first jo- so Jordan one, Chicago colorway, if you've seen... Um, uh, into the Spider Verse, like Miles Morales, oh yeah, those are the Jordans that he wears.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Um,
1: but he's redesigned them and, and basically deconstruct deconstructed them and and kind of made them just look super prototyped. And they're I think they're really cool. Yeah. Um, but those those are ones that I'd say those are probably up there. Um, other than that, dude, like there's never really like I don't know. I I like shoes, but I don't like them that much. You know yeah. what I mean right you know there's there's more important things yeah. out there
0: La- last thing how what would be if you could design Nike comes to you or Jordan comes to you all right we're making the Joe pun ones you're, yeah you're you're, you're you're designing your signature shoe right what um, what would that what would that first shoe look like like is there a shoe out there that you really like that you would sort of want to model your shoe after
1: you know that's oh man that's a good question yeah I've always thought about that too you know, you know. Would it be a Jordan? Would it be? Would it be something else? You know, when it goes gets down to it, I think I wouldn't even pick like a shoe that I think would be the coolest. I'd probably go pick a shoe that probably wouldn't sell, right? Yeah. But had meaning to me. So when I was a kid, um, they came out. So obviously I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, they came out with a Chris Weber. Oh really? Uh, technically a signature model. So there's yeah. like two levels. Like there could be one that's like. Yeah, these are the Barkley fives or whatever. Yeah. Or there could be like these are Chris Weber's shoes. Yeah. But they're called like the Nike Air Force twelves. Yeah. I think
0: Kevin Love is like that, like he gets shoes from Nike, but they're no different than like the hyperdumps or whatever. And yeah. they just give him shoes with his name on it. Yeah. But they're known as like yeah.
1: whatever. Like Kevin Garnett was like that for a little while. Yep. But I think for I forget what they were called. I forget they're called like Air Max something or other. But they were like the first basketball shoe that my parents sprung on that were like back then suede like black suede was like in heat yeah (laughs) and then and they they had just came out with the full air bubble like all the way around the heel yeah and so these shoes had that and then they had like a four strap on them or something i was just like dude these are so clean yeah and i finally got a pair of those play basketball in them so i'd probably go back and and they probably have already retro them but i'd probably go back and try to like redo those just because they meant so much to me as a kid like having that you know you go back to anything anything that you really wanted and that your parents or that you finally were able to attain mm-hmm. has a lot of value to you right in comparison to maybe somebody else but um i'd say that i mean if it was just like anything else um probably jordan three nice yeah
0: cool well joe thank you very much for taking the time to do this and any anytime that i've uh you know come and ask you whether it's professional stuff or doing something like this i just want to thank you because you've always just been very very helpful and i appreciate that And i know so many people that i've worked with and other students have appreciated um you know all the all the good stuff and how helpful and resourceful you are so thanks again hey man
1: no thank you for having me you know i just want to drop a tidbit too like dude so proud of you man thank you like i love this podcast you know like you you said you worked for as an intern were you a freshman or what
0: i was a sophomore sophomore
1: You know that's that's the best part of my job, man, is seeing students like go above and beyond and 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 do great things after they've left whatever spring training, experience that they've had and uh, yeah, man, you're doing great things, dude.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So. And, you know. Yeah. And I I, I just love the internship program. I thought was so great because you know there are a lot of a lot of jobs that you know they 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 flat out suck, but. It, 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 it teaches us great things because that's integral, you know, to, to the experience And I, you know, one thing that I will always take with me to whatever I do is, you know, when, when people are showing up, you know, I think about it too. When people are listening to my podcast, if I'm low energy, I'm like, no, I got to pick it up, you know, because there could be someone listening to my podcast the first time. And like in your instance, there could be someone coming to the ballpark for the first time. So yeah. you need to have that, you know, like opening day energy every. Single game, no matter whether you know you would just work the night game and it went into 13 innings, and then you got to be up first thing the next morning, just always bringing that energy and being ready to go because you never know when it's going to be someone's first time, you know, whether they're a kid or they're older, whenever they are in life, it you know can have an impact on them for you know how their experience was, you know, if they're going to come back or if they're going to follow the team, and maybe you create a baseball fan right there. So, I think you know, you saying that, that you know. It's great for baseball, great for the spring training, great for the A's. But that absolutely, you know, it, it um it applies to everything in life. Yeah. So it's really important.
1: Absolutely, man. No, yeah, I think, you know, and podcasting, like like you said, I listen to a lot of them. And, you know, what, what episode is this for you or whatever? Th- this is going
0: to be number eight. Number eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, I think you're dialed, bro. I mean, eight episodes in, yeah. you know what I mean? I think, you know, I couldn't, in terms of like production value, in terms of like, interacting with the guests and, and 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 like you said keeping that energy up and getting yeah. the most out of your guests i mean right. i think that's a big important thing um i'm in dude
0: subscribed thank you man you know I, mean? re- I really bell, appreciate that bell on love it all right thanks joe thanks man all right so hope you enjoyed that sit down with director of spring training for the oakland a's joe pun i know i had a i had a great time going over there and catching up with him and and speaking to him so hope you guys Really enjoyed that. So without further ado, the moment you've all been waiting for it makes its grand return. Let's transition into my complaint of the week (sighs) Okay, so welcome to my complaint of the week as always our presenting sponsor for this segment my therapist so Stickers on your car if you follow me on Twitter one of my most recent tweets was a picture of this this poor Chevy was just littered with stickers in the words of Daniel Tosh, don't put stickers on your car. I don't care where you went on vacation. Ron John Surf Shop. What's up? Spring Break. Oh eight. Cocoa Beach. Sick. Running a Hummer. For, running a Hummer for the week. Got like eight numbers. Two more would have been an actual phone number. I don't care who's in your family. You know the ones. It's like the the fun stick figures. You got the mom and the dad, or the daddy and the mom, and then you got the two kids, and then you have the dog and the cat. I don't want to see that. I you know I don't care. Oh, on this car, there was one that said "Mother of Cats." You know I'm not a cat person. If you want to have cats, is that your if if that's your thing, go for it. But I don't want to know that you're just a mother of probably just like you're you're probably a cat lady. You're probably a cat lady. I'm sorry you. Whoever had this Chevy parked in the ASU parking garage, beware, there should be an Amber Alert going out that there was a cat lady on the loose. Um, there's this one kid I know back home. I'm not friends with him. I've just seen his truck before. I don't know if it's still like this, but he's just riding around and on the back. At one point, it, it was just like this big, big sticker on the back of his truck that just said, not a liberal. Like, yeah, dude, like me either, but you know, you're really kind of, really kind of making me think that, hey, maybe we should just dump this whole political system and just have full on anarchy. Honestly, like th- th- that's how much s- stickers on someone's car uh, annoys me. I mean, I, I really, I-, I really just can't stand it. And that's why it's my complaint of the week. <sighs> All right, everyone. So hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for listening. Just one more reminder, be sure to subscribe so you guys never miss an episode. Episodes are out every single Monday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast. we continue to upload on YouTube, the Joseph Vore Podcast, and featured now on the thedailydropout.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at jvore3 and Instagram at javore3. I will talk to you guys next week.